0: Hello and welcome. My name's Ben. I'm the CEO of Charlie HR, and this is the Culture Ops podcast. with a podcast that's trying to lift the lid on the challenging situations that affect your business and your culture on a daily basis. Let's get into it. Okay, so let's kick off today's episode. With me today, we have Jess Rubin, COO at Judopay. Hi, Jess. Hi, Ben. How do we? Uh, how do we know each other?
1: Oh, we go. We go back through a few past lives, I think. Um, so mainly through your wonderful CEO network.
0: Yes, true. Um,
1: seen each other at quite a few breakfasts. We have um, through many different roles for me over the last four, or five years. Yeah,
0: four, or five years. We, um, and we've shared highs and highs and lows and good learnings days. and yeah.
1: And good days, bad days, and rainy days in between. So
0: nice. And, and at the moment, um, you're at Julia Pay, and yeah. there you're responsible for operations, people all of the things that sit under that insanely nebulous title, uh, tell me what JudoPay does.
1: So JudoPay is a fintech. Um, we are a software company, um, so we focus on kind of mobile-first payments, so creating beautiful customer experiences on that payment piece of the journey, in-app, on mobile, and web as well. Okay.
0: And you guys have got a ton of experience with benefits, and that's what we want to we talk about today. So staff benefits, staff perks. Obviously, a super interesting topic. Something that I don't know. I feel as someone that runs a business like you, I do feel a pressure. I feel a uh, that there is a demand from the team. That there is an expectation of what we provide as an organisation to them. Uh, but you've been through, I guess, a bit of a journey in 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 how that looks. And what I want to explore today is kind of. Is it possible to go a bit too far? Can we offer too many benefits and perks to our team? So take me back to the beginning, um, when you started at at Judo Pay, What were the kind of benefits and perks that they were offering at that point in time?
1: So I joined around two years ago. Um, And I mean, yeah, where do I start? We had an limited holiday. But to encourage people to ha- take use of that policy, we gave people 1,000 pounds a year tax-free to travel. Um, we do two acado shops a week, and we have a Slack channel where people can kind of write on the canteen chat, hey, I'd like this, this would be great. I mean, the shopping lists come in at kind of 10 to 15 pieces long sometimes. Um, it's not meant to be their weekly shop, but it can end up looking like that. Um, we have a massage come in bi-weekly, flexible working, work from home, days off your birthday, vitality kind of top-tier health insurance, cycle to work scheme, um, we did have sanctus. We don't have that at the minute, but can kind of talk more to that as well. So yeah, I mean, most benefits that one could kind of imagine, one might have, and more. I would say.
0: And let's just start from your perspective coming into that. How did you, how did you feel about about uh, you know about those benefits? I, I guess as an employee, yep. that's what I'm interested yep. in. Yeah, and I
1: won't lie, like. When I talk about why I took the job, um, you know, I was coming from a health tech, food tech background, I like, didn't know about FinTech and didn't think that it was something I was particularly interested in. Um, but when I went through that kind of decision-making process and being a really geeky ops person, I had a 10-point weighted scale of all the things that mattered to me. Um, and there were soft things on there as well, like people and team and obviously the role, that side of it. Um, and when I kind of did the quantitative scoring and also like the qualitative feedback to myself about the kind of people I'd met and everything else, There was something about judo, which was like the people in the culture. I walked in there and I was like, wow, this place feels amazing, like I love it here. Um, And definitely part of that experience for me was speaking to people about the benefits. Um, and about kind of how employees were treated within the company Um, and I think the surface level conversations about how employees were treated always went back to those benefits and being like conversations at the pub where you're talking about yeah like we have unlimited holiday and we're paid a thousand pounds a year to travel like wow isn't that amazing aren't you so lucky to work at this company like yeah wow like that is kind of crazy but really cool um so as an employee I absolutely came in and was just like awesome like great great company culture
0: do you think the the other team members that you met at that point felt the same?
1: A mixture. Um, so I think when we looked at why um, why, why do we have the benefits? One of the kind of old sound bites that we used to use all the time um, was about wow and delight. And it was a kind of central philosophy of the company that you should wow and delight your employees. Um, your shareholders and your customers. And the kind of way that that works is if you have really super happy employees, you're going to have super happy customers, which is going to result in great scores like NPS, but also great revenue. And then your shareholders are going to be happy as well. Um, And so I would like, I would absolutely say that, you know, people kind of reference the wow and delight ethos as being like, isn't this amazing? Like, isn't this, isn't this great? But that was like, the kind of superficial conversations that people were having. And I would say that underneath that, what I began to uncover when I came into the role was like pretty mixed feelings about um the benefit beyond like the coffee table conversation or the like at the pub with your mate saying how great the company is.
0: What do you think those mixed feelings were?
1: Um okay so there were there were various different kind of aspects to it. So I think no one disagreed with the fact that happy employees is a good thing. Like that was unanimous everyone agreed like you should absolutely treat people well and have happy employees um if you think that's waffle read the happiness advantage by sean anchor great book about
0: amazing book amazing yeah. book lovely book
1: um but yeah that's that's a whole topic for another podcast so the central kind of philosophy great but you had top performers turning around and saying you know like this is a great place to be but is it a great company like i'm frustrated i'm performing really well but i can see other people that are perhaps coasting a little bit more and they're basically here because they love culture in in the sense of benefits and how they're treated um and people saying oh yeah like awesome love the unlimited holiday but can you just take take a minute and tell me like what is my role and responsibility here like what am i meant to be doing can i have a job description like that would be a great place to start um conversations around you know if you're constantly firefighting 23 hours a day if you don't have psychological safety if you have those kind of aspects of a workplace as well like no one's actually really talking about the benefits at that point and they're like i'd really much rather be able to say what i think or reflect on my experiences before being told that i can have unlimited an holiday and like top tier vitality and the gym gym membership and all the rest of it um <laughs> and then there's like the flip side of it as well which is the kind of check your privilege angle where mm. some of the conversations people are like oh yeah but Google do this I was like yeah Google Google do that or oh my friend works at this company so could we look at rolling this out um, so there was just like all these kind of subtext around benefits and on the kind of like employee front very mixed feelings from different people about how it was working but then I think it was also on the leadership level like really reflecting um I guess yeah, we're we're unusual in that our leadership team are external management. It's so like our founders are our board, but we are all um, brought in members of the team, not founders. And we are, I think, yeah, most of us have joined within the last eighteen months as well. So kind of relevant context. But for me and for that team, it was like because cool, so we have all these benefits, but what are people actually doing? Mm. Like, do we have a performance culture and, and those kind of questions as well?
0: And it's interesting you talk about the decision that drove the benefits in the first place, which was this. You know, ultimately it was a values-based decision. It was, we want to wow our customers, we want to wow our, our team members. That was important to you guys philosophically. And so you wanted to extrapolate that out to the team as, as as much as you as much as you could. But there are some shortcomings, right? And it and it's not always as these things aren't always as simple as they seem, right? Yeah. We uh, we went through the unlimited holiday um situation experience uh we had it for four de- four years at charlie and we had it in uh, a previous business we used to run so i've you know i've experienced unlim- unlimited holiday for for eight years total and yeah there's some amazing parts to it and it sounds incredible it has that wow factor you go down the pub hey you know what's your holiday allowance at work it's 25 days wow, well mine's unlimited but it isn't really that simple and and, and there are some de- definite negative side effects. And you touched on it there, people coming to you and saying, cool, all this stuff is great, but maybe there are some more foundational, structural elements that are really, really important to people. Let, let's touch on performance and, and output.
1: Mm-hmm. So we definitely, I mean, it's case in any company, you have like your top people and, and you're not top people, right? But I think there was such little emphasis placed on being a performance culture in the old world um that that was kind of that was half the problem so i think when we when we looked at benefits and this like judo pay 2.0 world right we looked at it was one of like a hundred things that we were looking at we were looking at our vision at our mission at our strategy at our performance at our goal setting like it was really one aspect of that moment of a company where we're like we're growing up um and i think you know we i quite I like a terrible analogy. Um so my big one for the company when I came in as well as like a new leader and like establishing kind of new ways of working and stuff was the the sporting one. That like you start out at like your local team, you're playing football on a Friday and then you move to national, to international, to world to champion to kind of Olympic level. And you just know that at each level like that playing field is getting tougher and that there are different standards and different expectations. And if you want to move up, like you've got to grow up as well. Um, and so we looked at benefits as one one aspect of hundreds within the company that at the same time but at the right time and kind of like in parallel we were discussing with people um, and so for me on the benefit side of it in relation to performance I think it was funny because it in some respects it almost demotivated and had like a negative impact on um, performance because we weren't looking at the other side of it as well so we weren't we were just rewarding everyone blanket in the same way <laughs> with all of these great perks without like the performance structures underneath that without saying you know, here here's what means you're doing a good job. Like, here's what success looks like. Um, and looking at all the other aspects of performance. So, um, one kind of thing we've done recently is putting in job levels. Um, and the way that we did that, which is a great idea from my kind of head of ops, was um, we are up judo. Like, judo has a strong brand. So, we have judo belts rather than job levels. Mm, so, that. no one wants to be at level one give them a brown belt they're like wow I'm a brown belt this is so cool like literally means the same thing but it's that kind of positioning
0: do you give them an actual brown belt Then
1: not yet when we have the budget we will yeah I like so, yeah, that a yeah, that. absolutely really everyone's mm. gonna have their own belts and they can, we want to do badges as well so you can collect badges based on the values and it's all gamified and a bit more fun really cool and using like judo language as well so you've like senseis and all of the rest nice. in the roles yeah. and it becomes a whole cultural piece mm. in a way that just saying his benefit like have it is not a cultural piece and it's not well rolled out um so where we didn't have the right performance structures in place, um, and the reason I'm talking about job levels is you talk about like, are you a frontline role focused on KPIs, or are you a more like high level role focused more on projects and deliverables? And being able to say to people, this is what really is expected of you, without putting processes in for processes sake, this is what good looks like in your role. These are the kind of performance side of it. And also, here's the benefits package. Like we were just kind of missing that fundamental aspect. Um, and so I can't say that I blame the benefits, for not having a performance culture, but also it's very hard to say to people like, you're not really performing. And also we're giving you like everything you could possibly want from a benefit without addressing the fundamental side of it, as well as kind of the benefits as well. Um, and I think one of the other things that was kind of key learning for us within all of this um, is when you look at like, why why do you have the benefits, right? Are they to attract top talent? Are they to kind of retain, to grow? What, what are the fundamental motivators there? Like, is it about being a good business? What does that mean? Like, what's, why do you want to be a good business? What are you kind of looking at within that? Um... We were doing really well at the benefits piece attracting talent. Like when you speak to people, like I would put myself in this boat, you speak to people and you're like, cool, this is what we do, this is what we give you. Like, wow, wow, like that sounds amazing. Um, and it's that initial kind of impression that this is an awesome place to be. But on like the retention piece and the motivation piece, like we didn't have the right benefits and the structures around them to kind of have that high performing culture
0: at that yeah, point. So interesting. So, you know, one of the things that we are trying to talk more about and prove out is this link between culture and attraction retention and performance and and you know ultimately what you were seeing there was we had some some processes and some policies that were driving a certain culture but ultimately it wasn't having the the impact on all elements of that output it was it was great at attracting people it was great at getting people through Mm -hmm. the door but maybe it wasn't keeping people around what do you think keeps people around
1: well, I think you've got to start with understanding that person. So I think, again, it's a learning from the benefits, but just generally being this role for a couple of years, like it's one of the hardest things in business, in business, as in like educational life, is matching individual needs to like what has to be kind of to work for majority. So the whole trend of personalization, like where can you offer people an example, like a, a benefits platform, which means people can choose their own perks. So the perk is the platform, but people can choose what they get within it. It's a really nice example of something that can motivate because it's it's individual, but it's also works because it's scalable because everyone can have access to it. Mm. Um, so I think, you know, when we talk about what keeps people, um, it's going to be different Like it, for, for, for myself, right? It might be learning and progression. For someone else, it might just be kind of like much more about job security and they like turning up to work and they like having a friendly workplace. Um, and so trying to figure out like, what what is it that really matters to that person differentiating as well by like I know that there are people that are here for a job and I'm cool with that like if you want to come for your nine to five this is just a job that's fine providing I know that that's why you're here and what motivates you if you're here for a career, then I want to know that as well. So what is your career? Like in five years, do you want my job? Tell me that. Cool. Like let's have that conversation, figure it out. Um, and, you know, maybe some people are here because like, you know, they're, they're more interested in in the softer side of it. Again, that's great. But I think the the central kind of philosophy now is like understanding what those individuals want, what's going to drive them, motivate them, keep them. Um, and I guess being okay with if, if we're not going to be able to keep them, like understanding why as well and just kind of having that conversation openly. Yeah,
0: absolutely. On that list of, you know, there's 10, 10- things there's 15 things maybe there's 20 things that keep a person in a role and keep people retained and engaged after this experience where do you where do you put benefits do you put it up near the top is it in the middle is it at the bottom
1: i think it's in the middle like i actually think um you know it's the whole like actions speak louder than words right so when you think about as an employer what are you giving your people um you can give them praise you can give them the shout outs you can give them that kind of like recognition you can give them progression um you know if you're lucky to be in a fast growing business there are going to be places you can put people laterally or vertically but that is definitely not true for everyone and that's not true at every point particularly startups as well like people go into startups thinking they'll be ahead of in the next 6 months and often the reality is not that so when i look at like what can we tangibly give people that says hey i care about you like I care about you and I want your life to be great and I want you to be happy at work and outside of work. And, you know, I would, I guess I would maybe include like some of the L&D stuff in benefits and perks as well. So I'm saying to you, okay, cool, I can't give you this head off title because you know why. You know that that person is actually better than you at that job and here are things you need to do to get there. And turning around to them and saying cool well let's look at what are the other skills you'd like like maybe it's photography but maybe it's also like we can send you on a management course we can do that side of things and help you grow as a person in that way um and then there's also just like like I really do care about you and I would love you to have a 15 minute chair massage every two weeks because I know that you come back to your desk you're buzzing and you're just like oh I feel so great or I'm so chilled out I'm just gonna actually go and sit down for a minute and that's great as well so I think that as part of this you know, if you're really going to create that culture where people trust that you do as a leader care about them as individuals and as professionals and as people, I think benefits are really, really important um, as a part of that. And you know, unfortunately, well, I don't know if it is unfortunate because I am net still a fan of benefits. Um, the market is competitive, like for talent and for everything else, and companies are really rolling out the red carpet for their people mm. as they should do. Mm. Um, so making sure that. Yeah, I yeah, benefits would always be to middle to the top for me. But yeah, like and actually you've just got to do them right. And I think that's maybe that's my biggest takeaway from this is not um I don't know exactly what I'd do next time in terms of what benefits, but it's understanding the process that I would go through to kind of yeah, establish like a benefit framework.
0: And middle makes sense, right? Because you you guys have had a rethink about the types of benefits that you offer. And so yeah, it's it's not at the bottom, right? You still believe that benefits yeah. hold a really important place with, within a company. They're a, they're an, they're an important policy to drive that to drive that culture. So, what was the thing that drove you guys to think a little bit differently about benefits at GDP?
1: Um So, I think like the part of the catalyst was new leadership, like being honest. Mm. Um, part of that was kind of okay, cool. Under a new CEO, under a new senior leadership team. What does this group of people want our culture to be? um and I think it was asking quite a few tough questions um at that level at the beginning, so you know i don't I don't think any of us would have said we had a five form culture and that I don't think we would have said that, that or we didn't say that that benefit like benefit heavy culture was actually good for our business at that time, so when we like when we turned around and looked at it, we said, um." like what is a reasonable expenditure? It did start with costs as well. Like what is a reasonable expenditure for a business of our size? If you've got 50 people and you're giving them each a thousand pounds a year to travel tax-free, like that's a salary. That's like a couple of people's salary, depending Mm. on the role, which is kind of crazy when you position it in that way. Um, Do we have a high performing team? Like do we have a performance culture or do we have a benefits culture? What do we want to define our culture as? Like if people are defining it as benefits, is that what we want? No, Um, looking at the market. So how do we compare to companies that are more of our size? Um, different sectors but more like around a 50 person mark what is industry what's best in class um we looked at our own data so we use office vibe kind of looking at the survey side of it um and our employee NPS around that kind of time had actually dipped to about seven which i know compared to a lot of companies is pretty good but we were consistently like 40s 50s so if the data is saying our employees are not going to recommend this as a great place to work yet we're hearing this kind of like pub conversation saying cool how awesome is this something something isn't gelling there um and I guess it was also just like the kind of old fashioned conversations, like just speaking to people in the team mm. and saying, are you happy? Like, what do you like about our benefits? Um, and doing all the kind of the surveys, like giving people the anonymous space to say what they thought and felt, but also face to face, one to one. And also in like company breakfast, just saying like, guys, do you have opinions? Um, so it was new leadership, asking some tough questions. And then like we just had this it's it's funny in hindsight to sound so obvious we had a real penny drop moment that was just every time people in this company are talking about the company culture they're referring to it as like the perks and the benefits and that side of things but it's it's like hold on like our culture is our people like fundamentally it's bringing those people in like we know who we want to keep we know who's great which is a lot of them Um, so why don't we work with them to figure out like what makes them tick Mm. and what how would we define that kind of culture um, and that culture that like we would be proud of I, think, I can't remember if you found this on the internet somewhere, but one of the um, the good definitions of culture that was quite helpful in in thinking about it was like, what culture is what people do when management isn't around. Mm. Um, which I, you know, it's, <laughs> it's a hard one to answer unless you've got some spies on the floor. But it was just a, another way of framing that, just being like, cool, what are the behaviours that we want to exhibit? And how do we yeah. define that? And who are the right people?
0: It's an abstraction, right? It's not that we have a ping pong table yeah. or that we have an amazing learning and development budget. You know, the cultural ramifications of an amazing learning and development budget are that we value growth and learning not that we have this insane budget how did you feel emotionally in yourself as a leader in the business going through that kind of review process
1: um anxious nervous uh it's hard being a new leader and taking things away in particular. It's almost, it's easier in some ways, right? Because you can be like the witch. You can come in and kind of be the face of the change, which does help, but it's also personally quite difficult. Um, like, honestly, there was a degree of personal nervousness where I was like, but I love on him to holiday. Like, I, I don't want that to go. Um, and so it's that kind of roller coaster of, oh no, like, oh, we've got to do this. Um, let's mitigate risk. Like, we do it. We're worried for a bit. Then it's pretty fine. Um, I think with my role being what it is as well like I am the champion of the people and the culture Mm -hmm. so when you're at a senior leadership level if you're trying to champion that but also obviously completely like party to the business needs the financial situations like all of those conversations it can be like quite a conflicting place to be because you want to say I don't want to strip this back but I get like the rational emotional side of you is kind of saying I don't want to do this but I know that I need to and I think embedding that like Cult, well, cultural it is cultural um cultural norm of people being mature enough to understand that like business decisions can be really tough um and it's about making those decisions in the right way and involving people um in the decisions and, and that sort of it that that was like quite empowering in terms of making sure that it wasn't that bad but yeah it was like it was definitely a nerve-wracking time for me yeah
0: for sure 100 percent. change always is right yeah absolutely we as people we don't love change
1: No, and yet startups are all about change. Right, exactly.
0: (laughs) Um, Where did you end up?
1: Um, So at that point, we did roll back a fair few things. Um, And I mean, the caveat to that was like, we rolled them back in a pretty generous way. So we may have scrapped a thousand pounds a year tax-free to travel, but we did put in a salary increase for the whole company at a time when it made sense for the business, like six months down the line. So there was a kind of measured rollback. Um, There were a couple of other things that... Later on, so like there's the whole legacy world that we were kind of readjusting. And then there were decisions down the line as well. So we rolled out Sanctus and then we rolled it back quite recently. Um and that was that was an interesting one because we positioned it as a trial. Like we have always said to people, you know, let's try things out, let's iterate, let's kind of figure out what works. Um but with Sanctus people loved it. Mm. But we just couldn't kind of justify that it's a high cost and it's a high cost to the business at that time. And we have said we'll roll it back out as soon as we feel like you know the impact to the business is is the right cost reward ROI kind of balance. Um but that was yeah it we rolled back a few things. Um but I think for us um it was the process of involving the age-old business thing where it's such a simple thing to do to ask people their opinion Mm. and even if you go on to do exactly what they've said please don't do, involving them in that conversation, giving them a voice and then making the decision in such a way that you actually communicate with them your reasonings, if you've got the right people and they're mature enough to understand that, like, it's going to be fine Mm. Um, and I think, yeah, that was such a key learning for me throughout all of this when you're kind of catastrophizing a bit being like, oh god, like, how are people going to react? Is everyone going to quit? It's like, it's like that's why it's secondary as well it's like it's not the most important thing because these people are here for their jobs and they love the company and see the potential
0: for sure and they're, if they're going
1: to quit over a benefit like they should go
0: yeah agreed there is a thing that we often believe which is that if we ask for people's opinion and we don't follow it then they're going to be really annoyed and actually i fundamentally don't believe that i believe that people want influence people that work for us they want influence in the company that we're building they want to be heard but they're also reasonable people and they know that just because they have a certain viewpoint that doesn't mean that we're going to exactly follow their perspective their opinion to the t so i think you've really hit the nail on the head there which is involve them in the process listen to your teams and 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 then do the right thing but at least they've been involved in that process just quickly for people listening that don't know what sanctus is just give us seconds on on what Sanctus is people have got some context
1: so Sanctus is somewhere on the scale between kind of like executive coaching and kind of counseling um so it's basically a safe space where you can go for a one-to-one session and talk about anything that's on your mind so it could be professional first personal um or anything in between you can go without a topic and just sit there quietly or you can go and kind of yeah just say anything that's on your mind and work with the coach um to to work through those things i mean i'm 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 not affiliated but they're absolutely brilliant like i i honestly personally had some of the best 45 minutes of my life with them so i recommend it highly enough we'll
0: um we'll link to two things in the show notes we'll link to happiness advantage because it's a great book and i've read it and if you haven't read it go read it and we'll also link to sanctus uh james who's a founder is a lovely human and definitely worth a conversation with so tell us how the team reacted you've had you had all these benefits some people like them some people didn't like them they were affecting your culture in potentially a negative way change your leadership always a great opportunity to rethink things relook at things and you involve the team in that process and what you came back with was was different and a bit more pointed and a bit more specific in terms of what you were going to what you were going to offer how did the team respond how do you think they felt about it
1: i mean honestly really well like that it couldn't have gone better Um, there are always going to be murmurs like you don't know what's kind of happening on the balcony over a smoke 10 minutes later Um, we stood up as a senior leadership team we said like come to us individually come to your direct line manager come to anyone who you feel comfortable with put it on office vibe we want to hear how you feel about these kind of conversations Um, you know a couple of people were disappointed I was was actually disappointed Like, I love my Sanctus coach I'd really like to go Mm -hmm. and see her again Um, so yes there's a degree of disappointment but you know i think involve people in the conversation being transparent about it um i think as a senior leadership team we handled it pretty well and actually gained respect out of it rather than people saying you know you don't care it's more like you really care but you also care about the success of the business as well as the success and happiness of the individuals um and i think you know echoing kind of points we've just made like if you're making a good business decision if you're making it in the right way and you have good people they'll back you and they'll also back you as leaders to do what is best for the business so they Mm. understand that maybe their ego or or their kind of side of things has to take second fiddle just in this one way. Um, As I say, we did it in a pretty generous way. Like, we didn't suddenly strip back everything and we gave nice alternatives. Um, I think, again, the whole if people are here for your benefits, they're not the right people. Like people just need to realize and particularly millennials, like I am one, so I can say this, but <laughs> particularly millennials need to realize it's not about free beer and football tables. Mm-hmm. Like it is a roller coaster. It is one of the hardest jobs you can do working in a startup. No one is going to tell you what to do. You've got to figure it out and, you know, move fast and break things. So if you if you don't like roller coasters, like, <laughs> sorry, this get is off. not, get off. This get is off. Not, Go yeah. find another ride because this is yeah. not the one for you. Don't turn um, up to the theme park. No, exactly. <laughs> just don't go to the theme park. Yeah, do Go to the yeah. playground or something um go on a nice safe swing somewhere yeah. because yeah it, it's super hard and people need to understand that um and they need to understand that we're going to make the tough decisions so honestly like kudos to the team like they, were, they needed some coaching in some places but we had really good people they just were slightly directionist yeah. and i think the flip side of that as well is like more than any benefit we rolled back or rolled out doing things like um Spending the money on improving Salesforce or rolling out OKRs had a way bigger impact on people's happiness and engagement and retention. Like those are the things that are coming to me and saying, I will quit if, like on my monthly review forms, I ask a question every month, like if you left tomorrow, why would that be? Um, And the people are talking about things like, I cannot, like Salesforce is driving me crazy. We don't have, we don't know how to do this process. Please, will you help? Or i don't know why this individual goal is here because i can't feed it up to the company strategy so having spent four months like looking at cross-company okrs and rolling that out people are like wow this is so much more motivating um and that was just again such a key learning for me of just being like just look at the fundamentals and the really high level stuff like the vision the mission the, the, the why get people involved in that um but yeah so i think i've used a sentence with you before but like Benefits are not a plaster. You can't just no. stick them on top and be like, "Cool, well, this will be fine." Because now you can go take your unlimited holiday. Yeah. Especially if people can't take it because they're actually so busy firefighting. So.
0: Yeah, the other stuff is 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 definitely more important. And and you know, you said benefits. They sit in the middle of that list. Numbers one through four, one through five, one through six, whatever they are. You know, focus there bef- before you before you get there. And and our personal experience is the same. You know, we roll back unlimited holiday. We've taken away things in the past, and. Our opinion of how the team is going to react, it's, it's always not the experience that it, that it actually is. You know, our team were, in, were in amazing when we rolled back Unlimited Holiday, and we're actually pleased because we gave them a number and they could plan more and yeah. it gave them more certainty, what was acceptable and what was not. I'm a big believer that people love freedom, but we also like rules. Mm, we like some constraints. It. Constraints are fun. We can do things with constraints. <laughs> so where we're going to end is always the same, takeaways for people listening people out there running their own businesses what are the things that you personally have learned from this whole experience
1: so i think the overarching sentiment is that like when people talk about culture they do talk about like the vibe when you walk through the door and it is that honestly like if you say it's intangible or it's wishy-washy like i i think that's just an excuse so i think of culture now as our internal product Um, And I think of it as something that is absolutely like metrics driven and all the rest of it. So kind of putting that infrastructure around culture as a piece and benefits being a part of that culture has been really important. Um, Because I think of it like a product, it also means I apply certain like business mantras to it, right, so with benefits or culture generally, like start with why, it's always the first thing, like why are we doing this? Like explaining that to people um, and also kind of explaining it in your own head. So if it's benefits, why, is it about retention? Hiring the rest of it is it about well being? Like, you know, a classic example be if it's about well being, are you saying, Cool, well, we're going to give people yoga, or are you saying we're going to go out for drinks? <laughs> yeah, and if it's really about well being, is drinks the best way to do that, mm-hmm. or is it about kind of working together? So, yeah, start why. Um, know your customer, so that research piece is super important. So, it's know your customer, know your market, um, know your market in terms of what are other companies doing that are like appropriate to your size or stage, what does best and class look like, on the know your customer um speak to your people and people you'd like to be your people um figure out what makes them tick and listen what they want and understand that it's going to be different like different people have different kind of hopes and dreams and fears and everything so make sure there's something for everyone whilst also making it scalable and understanding the majority um think of it as a product so you're going to build measure learn um iterate is very important within that so what does success look like what are the metrics of tracking um Make it clear to people from the offset that you're going to be iterating as well. Like we've just said how important change is, like change is everything in startups. What is appropriate now might not be appropriate in three months or six months and make sure that people are okay with that and they understand that from the beginning. Um, And I guess, yeah, transparency is key. So like this is not a top-down decision saying this is what people want. Keep people in the loop and kind of over-communicate. So start with why, know your customer and your market, think of it like a product and be transparent
0: so wise so wise <laughs> so wise for a millennial and and that is where we're going to end today's episode um, I want to say a big thank you to uh, Jess for joining us today thank you Jess
1: thank you Ben thanks for having me
0: We'll definitely get you back on again soon, for sure. I've got to thank Mel from Behind the Glass for producing today's episode. Thank you to all of you listening uh, along wherever you are, at home, on your commute, in the office. We really appreciate it. Uh, remember, if you've got an issue that you'd like us to discuss, drop us a line. You can find us on Twitter. We're at join Charlie. I'm at Gate on Twitter. This has been the Culture Ops Podcast.